0: Well, welcome to Round the Table Live with Christian Concern. And today we are talking about, does the government care about free speech? And I'm delighted to be welcomed today by a special guest, Chief Executive of the Bad Law Project, Harry
1: Miller. Yeah, hi Tim.
0: Harry, it's great to have you with us. Uh, been on a, a, a couple of times before, I think, with us. Always enjoy your perspective um, on things. And we've also got Roger Kiska, a legal counsel for the Christian Legal Centre. Um, on with us as well. Roger, welcome to you as well. Great Good to be here. here, thank you Tim. Good to see you. So we've had a few news items this week that relate to free speech and I'm gonna try and um, get through them and talk talk about them in the next um, few minutes. If you're watching live today on, on Facebook or YouTube, do put in your comments and questions there and I'll try and get them uh, and discuss them. Um, but the first thing I want to talk about is um, an amendment that was debated in Parliament this week to the financial services bill, a moment proposed by Sally Ann Hart MP that would have made it illegal for a financial service provider to close an account of a group for free speech reasons. Now, we're familiar with this because um, it's got in the media about uh, PayPal uh, closing the uh, free speech unions accounts. And we also know that um, Corey Shoes Trust, one of our clients at Chris Concern, had its bank account closed by Barclays and that that went to court just a few weeks ago. We're still waiting to hear the results of that particular um, legal battle. Um, Harry, you've got some experience of this as well. And uh, what's your perspective on what's happening with all of this uh, financial services and free speech?
1: Yeah, well, well, what we do, um, the Bad Law Project is part and parcel of the Reclaim uh, movement. It's the, It's the legal wing, if you like. What we do is agitate um and potentially bring uh, judicial review against the foundational institutions when they overstepped the mark. Now, this was all born out of um, Lawrence Fox's reclaim party. and um before i before I joined uh, reclaim, uh, they had a one heck of a job getting a bank account. Uh, eventually, they did get a bank account with with Metro. Uh, there were some fairly severe restrictions around that um, in in that. There could only be one donor, and that was um Jeremy Hoskin. Um, so we couldn't take money from anybody else whatsoever. That's crazy. One donor, only allowed one donor. Only allowed only allowed one donor. What, yeah, for only a allowed one. yeah, only political party. Yeah, only one only allowed one donor. That's right. Well, That's we were only allowed one Well, we were only allowed one donor to use the bank accounts. Now, what we could have done, of course, is taken money and stuck it in a jiffy bag and put it under our beds. Because <laughs> yeah, what yeah. else could we do now? We didn't have anybody giving us money in jiffy bags and sticking it under our beds. But that's what it's driving you to. Anyway, we complied 100%, 100% um, with their requirements. Then earlier this year, they decided that they'd lost their appetite uh, for having um, a political party a bank account. And they, they gave us notice and um, closed us down. So that's where we are. Tim. It's, it's quite... It's quite traumatic. It's very inconvenient. Do so they, they give any reason for closing a bank account? Just because they can. Just because they can. That was Metro.
2: That
1: was bank, right?
2: Yeah,
1: the Metro Bank, yeah, they said they just they'd lost they'd had a change of appetite. Uh that was it. In other words, they decided that we were um ideologically unsound and their terms and conditions allowed them to shut us down with a with a period of notice. Um, and that was that was that. So um, that's that's what that's what happened to us. And I know it's not unique uh, to reclaim. I know it's uh, an experience amongst many smaller parties getting insurance services, um, getting banking services. Mm. It's very very difficult because once you are once they decide that you are politically exposed, a politically exposed person, uh, everybody runs a mile, or they hike their prices up to such a to such an extent that. It becomes impractical um, to to take those services on. And uh, now we we got round. Well, we didn't get round that in actual fact. What we did was we shifted from being a political party to um, setting up a media company called Reclaim the Media and the Bad Law Project. Uh, and we did that. So they're set up as 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 companies. straightforward yeah. limited companies. And of course, <clears throat> at that point, you're able to get financial services um, a, 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 again. So that's. That's the workaround that we did. But if you think about it, Tim, yeah, it's it, it, these are the financial services trying to drive you underground. They're trying to drive yeah. you underground. They're trying to. And if you go underground, then you're not that far from becoming dodgy, criminal. Maybe at the very least, you can't you can't show the the, 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 the money trails, the the money coming in, the money going out. Um, yeah. So it leaves you wide open to um, criticism of. Fraud uh, and all the rest of it, and they—they yep. are doing it. We wanted, we wanted a bank account. We wanted to be scrutinised. We wanted to be able to hand in our our account and our bank account to an accountant, have them all yep. signed off, and send them to yep. the electoral commission, and for them to see it all. But well, they're not allowing us to do that. So that's the position that we're in. Right. Wow. Um, and Roger, what's your perspective
0: on this from a free piece, free speech perspective? When you think about core issues, trust, and the free speech union, and all that kind of thing,
2: I mean, it, it's baffling that this could be happening happening in in a, a so called tolerant and democratic society. Um, you know, I, I think to the Equality Act, for example, which which doesn't apply specifically to um, you know a lot of the relationships we're talking about, but that whole piece of legislation was designed to uh, prevent unlawful discrimination. Uh, uh, some of it you know particular characteristic being religion or belief so when you have um the expressed beliefs of an individual or or an organization or charity being the sole basis by which they're being forbidden from entering the public square through financial services or, or otherwise it's clearly something that that hurts the democratic process it's intolerant um it's discriminatory and and um you know uh, I think it's wonderful that at least some effort has been taken at, at the parliamentary level to introduce a legis- an amendment to existing legislation, which would stop the cancel culture from being allowed to do that.
0: Do you, do you think that, um, and I understand this amendment's now being drawn because the government has said they're going to discuss it. Do you think existing
2: laws are sufficient or do you think that we could oh, clearly do not. Not that? Clearly not, because I mean, PayPal, um, you know, the banks, they're doing this with impunity. Um, they're they're asking for their cases to be struck out because they think that they're so bold in doing this that, uh, you know, groups like um, Core Issues Trust or other groups that are being cancelled are, are so nefarious and seedy that uh, no one's going to question their decision to do that. And that's not how um, anti-discrimination law works. And that's not how uh, free speech law works. Um, the, the whole purpose of free speech law is the ability to say things that other people don't agree with. Otherwise, there's no freedom at all. So... And
0: and Harry, if it starts with groups like this, it'll end up with churches and Christians, will it not?
1: Yeah, it it, it can go wherever the the government uh, decides it's going to go. And of course, it's not just the government anymore, is it? Because we've moved we've moved to a position where government is almost irrelevant to corporation. Um, I'm a I'm a free market capitalist, 100%. But even I can see the danger where you have where you have large companies who operate like uh, imperial empires cross border imperial empires sure. what, what really sure. is what really is the choice if you don't like apple for instance what is the choice really google mm. well the, 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 they're doing the same thing one is just another version of the other it's not like choosing between tescos and sainsburys is it and no. the, these these companies these mega organizations they run across they run across um, national boundaries uh, they run across across national governments and the banks and the financial services sectors are doing precisely the same. Now, what worries me about these, this sort of economic sanction? Um, Joe Biden doesn't say much that I agree with, but he was right about this. He said economic sanction, sanctions are a new kind of statecraft with the power to inflict damage that rivals military might. The sanctions stop strength and the ability to project power. Now, of course, he was saying that in relation to um, the closing down the banking um, ability and the financial services in relation to Russia. But it's a lesson which they've adopted against ideological groups, which the large corporations disapprove of. That's my worry. Yeah, yeah. So so I mean, well, you know it's
0: kind of partial good news, isn't it what's happened this week? because the government has agreed to sort of discuss it further and that there, maybe there is a problem here, although they also, I think, trying to claim that existing laws are sufficient. But it's kind of partial good news um, in terms of where we go. and obviously we await the results in the Barclays um, case, uh, the case against Barclay's bank from Core Issues Trust um where they tried to strike it out and yeah, that, um, that'll
2: be a good indicator in any case of whether existing laws are sufficient uh, well it will so yeah the sure yeah yeah
0: yeah
2: are you optimistic about that case roger um I, you know it, it's just it's just the case where core issues trust for for absolutely no reason was was told that their bank account was being shut down um there's been a lengthy period of negotiation between the two sides with with barclays Feeling that they they have the upper hand um, and and that as a, as a multinational bank, they can, they can do stuff. With impunity as, you know, as I was saying before, and they've sought to strike out, Um, I think our arguments are compelling. Um, I think this is clearly a a case where um, they're closing business just because of the viewpoints held by um, the the bank, the bank account holder. And that's uh, that's discriminatory under any definition of the word.
1: Yeah, Yeah. okay, well, um, we... If I might just interject, Tim, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of um, the left-wing writer Naomi Klein, but she writes some very good stuff in, in, in the book, The Shock Doctrine. Um, and we, we see this in uh, the following the Patriots Act, following 9-11, um, that I think George W. Bush introduced. It was designed to starve the funding of terrorists, but actually, in Trojan, of course, for bringing in all kinds of surveillance, snooping, um, and indefinite detention, and what's happened here, they found a new purpose for what they what what they were doing within the Patriot Act. So they've moved it from straight up terrorists, and they're now using it as a way to monitor, snoop on, shut down, and indefinitely censure groups that which they ideologically disapprove of, and it's moving out of the out of the big banks. Into in, in, into into the likes of PayPal, but also in in terms of service providers. Just this week or this last this last month, um, Sarah Fillmore, my co-founder of, of FairCop, um, she was putting on a, a book launch. I think scheduled for I think later this later this year. Selling tickets through Eventbrite. Eventbrite yeah. shut it down. Eventbrite yeah. shut it down. So you can no longer buy tickets via Eventbrite. Why? because they decided that uh, that we are an unsound organization, uh, that, the, that the ideology of uh, the book uh, is unsound, and they'll have nothing to do with it. Now, of course, we're challenging that. Sarah is an absolute wizard, financial, sorry, uh, a legal wizard. And um, she's threatened them with judicial review. Now, of course, judicial review, generally speaking, restricted to public bodies. But when yeah. an organization acts as a proxy public body, then you can it's a high bar but you can take them to judicial review and we've threatened Eventbrite with precisely that and we we, we are expecting um their response sometime next week what well, why why not going for the wrong discrimination <coughs> well, well, you know, that as well, but, but judicial review we could do that as well but we threaten yeah. with discrimination and judicial review because this is what's happening. As I was saying earlier, Tim, you've got these organizations which are growing so big and they become so powerful that they act almost like proxy government departments. Yeah. So when they when they start doing that, they then expose themselves to the potential of judicial review. It's a high bar, but it's possible and we're we're looking into it.
0: Well, all the best with that because um you know we've got a book launch and, and we're selling tickets on so bright for a book launch for a question celsius Friends later this month um so um so that's very interesting to hear about that I do you want to hear how that goes keep us in touch on that one harry let's let's move on uh, to another um, area where free speech has been in the news this week which is um this whole concept of buffer zones around abortion clinics now there was an amendment to the public order bill uh that actually was passed on a vote in the house of commons last month and it went to the House of Lords. And the government actually admitted in a formal statement that this amendment would breach human rights. Um, it then got debated in the House of Lords. Roger, what's your take on, on what's happening here with this?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's mind boggling. Yeah, that, that admission is there unanswered for the, the public to see um basically the excuse was and, and it's a valid excuse that you can't bridle parliament in how they choose to vote or, or what uh, laws they tend to you know, choose to put forward all you can do uh, after the fact is is to go to the courts and, and um seek uh, an order of incompatibility with the convention thus making the, the law moot um you know th- this is a ridiculous law in, in any case there's no empirical evidence that it's, it's needed we have existing laws which uh, prevent harassment. Um, it's a restriction on freedom of expression. It's a, fr- a restriction on freedom of association. Um, and it's a, it's a restriction on, on freedom of religion and, and belief, um, and quite significantly so. And, and the standard under the Convention, under the Human Rights Act, is that um, any restriction must be proportionate. And this is clearly disproportionate. Um, it's not necessary in a democratic society, so it doesn't come close to meeting any of the, the threshold standards for being uh, convention compatible.
0: So, and, and, um, and Harry, where, where do you think this goes with, the, with um, the, the government trying to restrict free speech in certain areas on certain topics?
1: Well, I, I think it fits entirely with the current state of play that we find ourselves in. Um, we, we, we've moved from a position where we'll, we're, we're very fortunate as Englishmen uh, being born in Britain that, um, that we are free to think, speak, act and do. Right up until the point that the law specifically says this far and no further. Yeah. Now, for, for there to be a, for there to be a fresh law enacted, it has to be addressing a very particular and well-evidenced and well-documented problem that needs solving. There simply isn't one here. There isn't one. Here. What this is is tinkering. What this is is moving is slowly, slowly, slowly into a position of legal micromanagement, which is the continental model of permissions, where the state tells us what we can and what we can do and where we can and where we can't do it. That is fundamentally un-British. And I think it's part and parcel of a very insidious move towards a Napoleonic European uh, system of, 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 um, of legal management.
0: Which is, and that's that's very concerning, isn't it? Because it, it is very draconian. This um, amendment is it not, like Roger? Because you know, even expressing an opinion, you know, potentially offering to help a woman who's on her way to an abortion clinic, um, even you know, silent prayer, you know, is yeah, you know, would be a criminal offence. Yeah.
2: It, it's it's quite shocking, and um, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more that it, it's uh, draconian. And it, it, what this is really is, it's a. Uh, the, the mob shouting that you know a minority of people shouting that we need to prevent people from from doing sidewalk counseling or or prayer and, and the government reacting so there's no need except to appease the mob and that's not how we should be making laws in this country because that's again that's not democracy uh that, that's a, a form of popular t- popularism and uh, populism and, and tyranny and uh, yeah i have zero doubt um that if this were to go Judicial review; it would be struck down, um, or at the very least, if it needed to go to Strasbourg, that, um, that this amendment, if passed, uh, won't stand a chance. It won't, it won't uh, withstand uh, judicial scrutiny.
0: So, so I I can see that David McCarth is um, watching um, live here on YouTube, and he's put a comment in there um, saying, "Some of us will go to prison um, for praying." And of course, um, we did have an instance of that where. Um, <clears throat> nice to see you, David, by the way, and, and we continue to follow and support your case. Um, but, um, of course, Christian Hacking did pray outside the abortion clinic and was arrested. And unfortunately, we got him cleared for that. But do you think that there will be campaigners here who will deliberately go and pray and sort of be kind of legal martyrs, I suppose, um, to for this, Roger? Uh,
2: legal campaigners on our side or their side? <clears throat> our side. Yeah, I mean, certainly, certainly I don't know if they'll go with the with the sole intent of becoming martyrs, but they'll go because their conscience is telling them that in those clinics, there are um, countless uh, unborn children um, whose lives are being ended um, at, at various stages of, of their development and uh, they can't stand by and let that happen. And so they will come and they'll, they'll pray. They'll be peaceful. They'll, they'll talk to women. In some cases, they will save the life of that unborn child. And, um, you know, to, to live in a society where we think that that's a bad thing um, says a great deal um, about the lawmakers who think that this is a necessary action.
0: And, and Michael Petek, I noticed also watching, says, um, lost it now, um, buffer zones protect and are intended to protect the practice of forced abortion. <laughs> I mean, that's a strong way of putting it, but that, you know, if people are coerced into going into an abortion clinic, anybody who tries to dissuade them um, will be committing a criminal offence?
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's again, some... I
0: mean,
1: yeah, you... go
2: ahead. Sorry.
0: Yeah,
1: sorry. sorry. Again, it, it, it cannot be the business of the state. It cannot be the business of the state to tell us who we can and cannot pray for and where we can and cannot pray. Look, if you're pro-choice or whether you're pro, pro-life, it matters not a dot to me. You have the right to state your case, without interference from from the police. It's as simple as that. Now, of course, I'm very much um, pro pro life, uh, but I would I would absolutely um, support the right for somebody to argue and demonstrate uh, uh, and all the rest of it. They can do that. That's what being in a democracy means. You're allowed. You're allowed to state your case. And as has already been said, there are plenty of laws existing that prevent uh, that, that would deal with with harassment public order acts they're, they're right there. If you stand there and there's some poor woman going in for an abortion and, and you, you you target her and you um, you abuse her and uh, or, you know you, you just shout and make a scene, then quite rightly the police should take you away. Uh, you, you, you're doing no good whatsoever. But to stand there and offer an alternative, stand there and silently pray, stand there and genuflect to make the sign of the cross, uh, simply to be there um, representing an opinion and representing what you believe uh, the will of God to be. um, How can that be criminalised? It's it's nonsensical and it's very dangerous.
0: Yeah, these are are not people who are gluing themselves to the road or anything like that, you know, not doing any of those things. And... And, you yeah, know, of course, you yeah, know, the police don't deal with that sort of stuff as aggressively as many people feel they should. These are very peaceful, well-meaning protesters who just want to help and encourage and very often do see women turn back and, and yeah, will save their lives or, or reconsider um, what they're doing. and And then, you know, babies are born and supported and all that. As well, yeah. So, I mean, the,
2: rea- the reality is that there, there are women who are who are going for abortions for any number of reasons. Some of them are feeling forced by a partner who doesn't want the child. Yeah. Um, and in some of those cases, the partner is saying, "I'm only going to stay with you um, if if you abort the child." Yeah. Um, there could be abuse there. There could be a million things there. Uh, financial concerns that might be alleviated sure. um, through counseling. So, to not even give them that option is uh, is mind boggling. Mind boggling. Um, where
0: do you think this goes, Roger? Though? So the government has said it doesn't. You know, th- this breaches human rights. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> big, admission, yeah. big admission there. That that would, if it was a legal case. You know, yeah. you've got the government's already admitted it here.
2: Yeah,
0: um, yeah. But do you think that's what would happen? You know, I mean, the House of Lords will probably try to amend it. But if it yeah. goes into law, um, some there's bound to be a legal case, isn't there? And you know, presumably one hopes it would never end up standing up.
2: And I have a sneaking suspicion that we might be the ones involved in that case. <laughs> but No, I, I, I think that if the Lords have any sense, especially looking at that statement and, and looking at the incompat- incompatibility issues, that they will just say this this doesn't pass legal muster. Let's move on and scrap it. Um, but if not, it, it's a slam dunk as far as the judicial review goes. Okay,
0: well, yeah, we will see. But it's, it's quite shocking that um, MPs voted for such a draconian amendment. I mean, that's that's the really shocking part about this, isn't it? And in a, in a large
2: margin as well. It yeah. wasn't a small margin, margin yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so let's, true, we, 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 hold on, sir, so if you don't mind, I'm just saying we have another problem, though, as well, yeah. with even if, even if the law says what we would like it to say, and even yeah. if you were to win a judicial review, there is yeah. still, unfortunately, going to be a disconnect between what the law says yeah. and how... Police operates. We've we, yeah. we found that with uh, the the hate crime speech, we we soundly beat the College of Policing. Has it changed anything? It's changed yeah. the wording. At all it hasn't changed anything on the ground. Not what not yeah. none whatsoever. There's there's an appalling yeah. disconnect between how how police forces uh, and foundational institutions operate because if they think they're on the right side of history they are much less concerned about being on the wrong side of the law.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and that links into the next subject which we'll talk about, which is um, Islamophobia, because, of course, Hata and Tash got a, you know, an apology and £10,000 um, of um, legal conversation from the police for being wrongfully arrested. Um, and what has she been doing? She's been criticising Islam, as she does, um, and the police arrested her, and they shouldn't have arrested her, they should have arrested other people who were threatening her And have, of course, assaulted her and abused her and all that kind of thing, none of whom have been arrested. Um, But um, the bit of good news this week is the government has decided to abandon attempts to define this um, notorious term Islamophobia. Um, And there's been a proposed definition from the um, all party parliamentary group um, on on Muslims in Britain, um, which was very vague and dangerous. um, But... Um, And the government, rightly after considerable pressure, didn't adopt that as a formal definition, but decided um, to appoint some people to propose an alternative definition. That was back in 2019. Here we are in 2022. And the government has uh, finally said, right, forget that. We're not going to bother trying to define Islamophobia. Harry, what's your take on where we are on this um, Islamophobia issue?
1: Well, you know, I, I I am Islamophobic. I think that being <laughs> Islamophobic is, is perfectly rational. In the same way that there are certain left-wing feminists who are patriarchy-phobic. In other words, they they recognise, or in their head, there yeah. is a link between violence against women and the patriarchy. Now, whether I agree with that or not, it's a, it's a perfectly legitimate position to take. And I think it's exactly the same with Islamophobia. I, I see a direct link between the oppression of women and Islam, I do, I, I, yeah. I do, and to, yeah. to, to, to deny me of the right to hold that position is abominable. Um, so, of course, you can't you can't correctly define Islamophobia in any way that makes sense uh, from a legal perspective. Islamophobia literally means fear of Islam. Well, you cannot, you cannot have the state tell you what you can and can't fear.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, and that is that is effectively what it is, isn't it? And of course, you know, there are other links as well between islam and grooming gangs for example or islam and um, terrorism as well for example and 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 one should be able must be able to point out these links and people are afraid of pointing out these links precisely because they're afraid of being called islamophobic i call that islamophobia phobia effectively you know and the, the, and that, the, that's, the, that's
1: why the, i'm i'm more than happy to embrace the term i am an Isla- i am an islamophobe i am in the same way that i am a transphobe absolutely right. I, I And the definition of transphobia is uh, to disbelieve in gender identity. It's right there within the police guidance. Yeah, I'm a transphobe. By is that actually the police, it's actually the police definition, is it? That is the police definition, yeah. A failure, a failure to accept a person's gender identity, and of course there are several hundred of those, Um, take your pick, uh, that <laughs> is the police definition of transphobia. So, yeah, I'm not going to fight it anymore. I'm going to roll with it and say, yes, absolutely, 100%, I am a transphobe. And I don't care.
0: Yeah, well, I agree with that. Roger, what's your take on this?
2: Uh, Article 9, um, freedom of thought, conscience, and religion, that that element, thought, freedom of thought, that is one of the very few absolutely unqualified rights uh, under the European Convention of Human Rights. You have an absolute right to believe anything you want um, and to change your beliefs. Uh, so this idea of phobia, um, where the definition ultimately is in the eyes of the beholder, Um, is very dangerous because when you have Mm -hmm. two people with, uh, you know, who are on opposite sides of a certain belief, there's going to be hurt feelings. And one person Mm -hmm. is going to take it as as being aggressive or phobic. And um, that's no standard by which we should be judging behavior, criminal or civilly. Uh, And so I completely agree with with, uh, scrapping it.
0: Yeah. And I think the proposed definition sort of defined it in terms of perceived Muslimness, but I mean, it's just incredibly vague. When I mean, it's you know define a definition based on perception, has no is basically first of all you know lacks objectivity. And Muslimness, what does that mean? And it, it could include beliefs or, or practice or whatever you know. And that means you can't criticize Islamic beliefs. I mean, it's basically kind of an effectively an Islamic blasphemy law that one would be enacting if one defined Islamophobia in anything like that kind of term. People would feel they can't criticize. Islamic beliefs, like you know, you can't even say Muhammad is not a prophet. For example,
2: I, I remember, I remember uh, years ago, I was uh, involved in an OSCE debate, um, and the head of the ACLU at the time was there. Uh, I believe he was the head; he was one of the executives there. And it was shortly after 9-11 and uh, he was making the argument that saying Islamic terror is hate speech, and so that's Islamophobia. So that's how far uh, this definition can stretch.
0: Yeah, and if we if we define Islamophobia. You know, then presumably we're gonna to have to define transphobia and and homophobia and and hindu phobia and wh- whatever other phobias I and mean, everyone wants to have their own definition we'll be defining all these phobias um in some way or other um to you know there'll be competition to get the best definition of what phobia you want to have you know <laughs> proliferation of phobias all over the place Harry
1: but yeah again what's happened if you look if you look back at the purpose of the Equality Act it was to protect individuals from discrimination it's it, it, it's very straightforward now what's happened is we've we've moved there's been an anthropomorphism from protecting the individual against discrimination from yeah. to protecting the ideology that the individual adopts so i am all in favor for instance of not discriminating against against you if you're trans not discriminating yeah. you if you're muslim yeah. but I am I'm entirely against having to tacitly or actively support your Muslimness or your transness, and I, I don't want I don't want any protections whatsoever as a Christian, none whatsoever. If you if if, if you want to say that uh, that the resurrection was a conjuring trick with bones, as the Bishop of Durham famously said several uh, several decades ago, then what? absolutely you're free to say it. By the same token if i want to point out the fact that uh, muhammad was a pedophile then mm-hmm. i need to be able to say that as well you know you can't defame the dead or in christ's case the resurrected you simply can't and if you're if you're a person of if you're a person of faith and you believe that your god whichever god that happens to be mm-hmm. is supreme mm-hmm. and almighty then come on surely surely that god can take a bit of criticism surely well, I mean, that, that, I'm
0: mean, now I agree with you on that, but it's I and mean, that is a very good point. Of course, you know when Jesus, as I said, I've said this on, on live on the radio um, in debating a Muslim. When Jesus was nailed to a cross, tortured, nailed to a cross, he said, "Father, forgive them." And when Muhammad was insulted, he said, "Kill them. They should be killed." And and the, you know, Islam is very intolerant of any criticism. Um, and 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 that's sort of where we are on this um, kind of thing. But of course, your point about um, Muhammad being a paedophile actually is also in the news this week because a uh, Christian preacher um um we got managed to get him cleared of any um any charges um but what was what he was arrested for was criticizing Islam and in particular uh, noting that Muhammad according to Islamic the best Islamic sources married Aisha when she was 6 years old and consummated the marriage when she was 9 years old uh, 9 years old and as Sean O'Sullivan the preacher said by modern standards that would be a paedophile. Now, if we had a formal definition of Islam, a phobia, um, on the statute book, so to speak, um, then this would be a criminal offence, but it, it shouldn't be. Roger, what's your take on that
2: particular case? Good thing we have a formal definition of paedophilia. I mean, that's <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, interestingly, there was a case at the European Court of Human Rights a few years ago dealing with this uh, out of Austria, and and they found that, um, that the, the applicant in that case Was guilty of hate speech, or at least that Austria had the right to fine her um, for making the comment that that Muhammad was a pedophile, uh, saying that it was inflammatory and 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 really going out of its way to uh, you know suggest that this was lacking context and and in the time of Muhammad this would have been normal and um, you know I think that's ridiculous Um, to 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 say to the average person uh, whether he's a preacher or otherwise having a a conversation with a, an individual or a group of people but they have to be so careful in their thinking and understand the historical context of everything they say and every possible avenue that 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 opinion can go or it might be hate speech no i do remember is, that pattern, it's yeah quite the, shocking, the chilling effect opinion. the chilling effect on that is is um just outstanding um you know the truth should always be a, a defense and to say and he qualified it by modern standards that would be pedophilia so i, I don't see how you can look at it as uh, any but a statement of, of fact.
0: Um, so so here we are, another street preacher. I think we've got still a 100% track record of getting these street preachers cleared of charges in the end. But yeah, you know, so he should never been arrested in the first place. Um, what's he done is criticized um, Islamic beliefs. Well, that should be totally fair to do, no, no problem at all to do it. Um, and yet he was arrested and charged and you know, finally in court, you get the result. And how this kind of plays into what you were saying earlier about it doesn't really matter if you win the law, because the police carry on arresting people because they think that's the right thing to do anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah, because they they found a way of bypassing uh, due process. What would normally happen is you would have a, you would have in your mind an offence. Uh, you would you believe that the person's committed the offence. You would you you would arrest them. You would take them to a custody sergeant where you would have to persuade the custody sergeant that they would committed the offence and that there were grounds to holding them. You would then have to persuade the CPS if you, if you chose to, uh, to charge them and take them to court. And then you would have to persuade a jury or a judge that they were guilty beyond reasonable doubt. Now, all of that takes a lot of time and effort. So the police have found a different way, a much more efficient way of dealing with problems that they don't like, which is to ignore all of that and simply arrest people and then de-arrest them, uh, to give them non-crime hate incidents, uh, to give them niche incidents, whatever the heck they, they are, um, uh, to, to mark down their character as somewhat bad by, by bypassing the system, creating a chilling effect, and just basically harassing people into conformity. That's what's, that's what's happening. And what can we do about this, Harry?
0: What, what, what can we do to overturn, change the system and, or change the practice, rather?
1: resist resist at every level resist at every level you know what 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 i did in aldershot in the summer where we where we met uh the police officers who we knew were turning up uh to a the home of a former royal green jacket who'd uh who, who'd put up a trans flag in a certain way that it may have resembled a swastika uh, we, we knew full well those police officers were acting entirely illegal I- illegally so we confronted them i got arrested for my for, for my efforts and thrown in Thrown in in uh, in the cells for several hours, um, but that's what you have to do. We have to we have to resist. Now, one of the things that I will do at some point, maybe next year, is I will go to Highport Corner and I will preach a blistering gospel in full view of 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 the police and whoever else is there. Uh, I'll be entirely uncompromising uh, with with the aim of being arrested so that I can take them to court again. Um, I think what we have to do, if you if you if you feel as though you have the calling for it, if you've got the metal for it, if you're made that way, you have to go out and you have to resist. You have to say that thing which is legal, but which the police think is unkind. You have to go out and do it. otherwise we'll pl- we'll allow the Overton window to be closed, and that'll be that.
0: And do you think there are enough people who are um, resisting in that kind of way, or or who are called gifted, whatever, to resist in that way to actually make make a difference, Harry?
1: Yeah, I, I, I do. I don't think it takes that many. I don't think there are that you know that many. Look, look, look what my, I've done. Look what Maya uh done. Yeah. We've changed sure. the we've changed the complexion of of British politics and ideology. Um, mm. And that's that, that's two of us. That's two of us. So we can do it now. Absolutely not everybody is called to that kind of life of, of an activist. They, they aren't. They, they just aren't. Um, but if you are called to that sort of life, then crack on and do it. That, that's that's my view. You know, put on the full armour of God, take your shield of faith, take the sword of the spirit and go out there and kick some ass. Um, and that's, that's my, as I have said to you before, uh, Tim, that's my style of Christianity. That's me fulfilling my calling. It's very Old Testament in, in its approach, uh, but it's also very effective. Mm, very good. Well, then let's
0: let's just sort of conclude. So, the question that we were sort of posing at the start here is: Does the government care about free speech? And I, I suppose for me, the sort of the, the simple answer to that is: If they're prepared to pass a motion that would make it illegal to express an opinion in certain areas of the country, um, as, a, as a, with a high majority in Parliament. Um, you can't say the government cares about free speech, can you? I mean, um, Roger or Harry, any further concluding comments on
2: this? I would just say it depends on the MP and depends on the issue. Um, but uh, that that just shows how important it is for our supporters to be frequently in contact with their MPs to make sure that they're voting on the right side of these issues.
1: Yeah. Harry, any concluding comments for you? I'm I'm cautiously optimistic um, with Rishi uh, Suella, and uh, and kemi badenoch of course um i think one of the main problems is the civil service or the blob um Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. if if we've got if we've got politicians who are prepared to deal with the blob and given time to deal with the blob i think i think the landscape could be better i think i think we could be going into a better place than we've been so i'm cautiously optimistic but again that's just my nature
0: well Great. Listen, it's been a great conversation. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Harry, um, for all that you're doing and the difference that you're making, which is brilliant. Um, and Roger as well, um, helping us with our various legal cases, which are great. Um, get out there and speak the truth, Harry, says Shirley Hogg there. That's great. Um, listen, and thanks for watching. Thanks for engaging with us. And uh, we'll see you again next week. Do follow us, connect with us on social media uh, Facebook, YouTube, and, and uh, Instagram. And um, see you again next week. Thank you very much.